and welcome to episode 161 of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Bonjour. This week, well, every week we take on a different theme. This week is no different, and this time we're going back in time. Yeah, I like this. You know what? We did directors, mate. We've done actors, done films, done specific films, done the Oscars. We've even played some games. But have we ever just taken on an entire year, 365 days of pure filth? No. No, we'll, we'll do that this week then. And also, this is a great job. get out of jail free card. Anytime <laughs> when you're like, oh, what should we do next week? Yeah. Uh, pick a year. Because <laughs> there's quite a few of them. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's the ultimate DOS lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already done animation three times. <laughs> you never, you, listeners, you don't know how close you were to four or another A to Z of animation films. That's the crowning. We've run out of ideas. This, this, is, this is the well that will never run dry. And that is just picking a year and talking about the movies in that year. But um, we've gone for quite a weird year, actually, because normally when you do this with film, you think, what are the great years of film? And of, of late, there's been some great years in film. But, you know, to me, 87 sticks out, 86 is good. Yeah. Most of the 80s, to be fair. Mm. Um, I remember 94 being a bit of a killer year. 94, 95, they were ones, yes. obviously, end of the decade in the 90s or so. I think it's also because I was getting into cinema, like, really, then I was like, every Saturday might go down to, whoa, what's out? A bit of something, something, Independence Day <laughs> for about <laughs> four years. It was out. But... 1990 often doesn't get looked because it's the everyone loves the 80s and yep. then the 90s come along and you're like, oh, you're shit. Well, that's what we were originally going to do. We were thinking about doing the end of the nine, uh, the 80s, but then we thought, no one loves the, the 90s. No Don't one's look. done 1990. Yeah, except for probably several podcasts. Well, they probably have, but yeah. you know, on this show we haven't done it. We haven't done it and we rarely mention it. 1990 is a great year for film apparently as well. <laughs> There was a lot of films in there. 1990 is the year of the film that you forgot you'd seen that film. Yeah, because when we looked at the list, we went, actually, do you know what? Yeah. 1990 is the year of full of movies that you go, was that 1990? Yeah. Like, that is it. You know they're not 80s. A lot of the films we're going to talk about, you know they're not 80s, but you think 91, 92, yeah. maybe, you know, whatever, 93 possibly, but 1990, you dark horse. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't know why I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the theme of whenever we do this. I'll take the first one. So I've researched 1990. I've got a list of films we're going to go through. We're going to review that year. We're going to ask the question at the end. How would you score 1990? Yeah. Well, that, which also gives us about an hour to think of a scoring system because <laughs> fuck knows what we're going to do. Out of, uh, out of 2021. <laughs> That's terrible, I'm sorry. So we will come up with a score, but also uh, because I'm leading on this one and the next one, James will pick a year and may come up with some questions for me. We're looking at which of these movies would you rewatch for the first time? Mm. Which would you erase from history? And which would you remake now? That's some, that's some killer ones. Do you know and I, Luckily, I got the list of films before because I had to really think hard for these. I mm. really, really changed how I thought. Well, do you know what? I realise, and the best thing about this is one of my favourite films is from the 90s, and I cannot wait. So if you're listening to this episode, it's your first time, welcome. Um, we get around the mics each week to talk about a different movie topic or theme within movies, um, and we've done over 160 episodes. This one, just take a moment now. We'll, we'll take a moment, we'll pause just for a sec. Yeah. What films do you think of from 1990? Because I guarantee the movies we're about to talk about, you cannot remember. Even if you're good at movie <laughs> trivia. There were so many, I was like, no. Yeah. Let's kick it off. Let's go, mate. Let's uh, let's start, shall we? Start, we started strong in the nine nineties. So, Edward. Yeah. Edward, sorry. He's rich, he's successful, but he's lonely, James. Oh. Uh, and because obviously Richard Gere had, was uh, unfortunate to not have good looks, yeah. he's, he's prowling the streets for a companion. 
Oh. Oh, actually, no, he's come up with the greatest excuse. I can't drive a manual car. Can can I've just asked this prostitute to drive it back to my hotel. That's all gonna, it is, sir. I was going to say, he's the only get out of uh, prison. It's like, no, 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 we don't. Prostitute. No, 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 I just can't drive a manual car. You do, but I just, why won't he go like the other end of it? Just be like, oh, no, 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 no. I wanted someone to look at my car whilst I went into the shop across the road. You, mm. Why stop there? Go go extravagant with your lads. I wanted to board a plane to another country and I wanted someone to sit in the car <laughs> to make sure it didn't get stolen for a while. We are, of course, talking about Disney's great rom-com, <laughs> Pretty Woman. Nothing says Disney like a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> like a rich entrepreneur and a prostitute. It is, it is weird, actually, when you put it on paper. That, you know, we're not even making that up. Richard Gere is out driving his lawyer friend's car yep. when he realises he can't drive a manual. So, and he's in the wrong part of town accidentally. Oh, Ooh, I didn't mean to take this one. For a That's it. All right, all right, calm down, yeah. Hugh Grant. All right. And, uh, and all of a sudden he has a prostitute to drive him back to his hotel where then she makes in the proposition to do some company. And well, he's like, well, yeah, I'm playing Scrabble later. I need a partner. Well, the thing I love about it is as well is, uh, is <laughs> I don't know how to drive a stick. <laughs> Code for sex. So I still think he was looking for sex. Um, yeah. Young Julia Roberts. 23, 24 in this movie. Yeah. And uh, a, a still, do you know what? Richard Gere's a weird one because he, so here we go. Richard, I think he was 41 in this film. Richard Gere. Richard Gere. You know what? He does okay sometimes, but he will never be forgiven for the jackal <laughs> where he attempts an Irish accent. You you go in the bin with <laughs> Sean Connery in his Irish accent. That was... <laughs> I still think The Jackal is quite possibly one of my favourite films to piss on. <laughs> I quite like Richard Gere, to be honest, yeah. in most of his films, yeah. There was a film I remember, he wasn't that long ago, now that I've said it, I think it was in the 90s. He's, he's in China, he gets arrested for a murder, and it was before mm. China was kind of open to the world. That was a pretty good film, actually. Primal Fear, that's an awesome oh, film. That is an awesome film, but it, the problem is once you've seen Primal Fear, you're, you're always about mm. that Edward Norton. You, you as an audience member, once you've seen it once, just like, I couldn't care about you, Richard Gere. I want to see Edward Norton and see if I can work it out. Absolute breakout movie for Edward Norton, that was. It was. Obviously, Officer and Gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Disney's most successful rom-com still. Massive gross. 463.4 million at the box office. This was huge. I mean, it had the obviously the soundtrack as well. Nineties, mate. The soundtrack came hand in hand. Standout scene, though. There, there's two standout scenes. Do you, two standout scenes are, and this was Adlib. This only came up last week. It's the scene where he's about to give her jewels, and he, and he oh, snaps him, it short. Snaps it short, and Julia Roberts' genuine reaction. I think that's actually quite heartwarming. I think I even remember the little giggle that she does. Like, mm. <laughs> that, oh God, I thought Julia Roberts was in the room. Jeez, <laughs> nailed it, mate. Nailed it. Um, but I remember that scene, I remember thinking, oh, that is so generous, because it was. And then, so that makes me think that she's a bad actor. <laughs> it's like the only bit I like. But then the big scene, and everyone's done this, everyone's done this, is when she gets denied service because she looks like a streetwalker because she is one, but just happens to get a load of money. So she goes back with a wadge of money, goes, you missed out on this. Don't, and I was like, you, don't you guys work on commission? You missed out on this. That's happened to us all, mate. Mm-hmm. We've all been denied because of how we look. This, this movie does age well, though, because you're right, actually thinking about it, the clear on-screen friendship and 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 um, chemistry between Gear and and Roberts in this movie yeah. is undeniable. There is a charm to it. It's a bit weird though if you look at it. Th- their chemistry is undeniable. It's brilliant. I actually quite like it. But the, but the kind of the acceptance is like it's forcing this woman into situations she's loving it because it's the new life. It's a bit controlling, isn't it? It's like maybe she just wants to go to a ballpark and not this swancy soiree because no one at the soiree likes her, mate, because she's a streetwalker. <laughs> I was definitely too young also to watch this film. 
Because I did not know what a prostitute was at the time. And I certainly didn't know what condoms were in that scene. <laughs> that was an awkward <laughs> conversation with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do you know what? Well, a pretty good film, actually. Do you know what? I have fond memories of it. I, I, do pref- I do remember the soundtrack more than the actual movie. Mm. Dun, 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 dun. Bit Roy there. Roy Orbison, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an alright film. Alright. Um, do love the fact though, absolutely love it, that Judy Roberts has to be a new addition to Street Walking because she still needs to have some innocence. Because if she was just like a ran down, been doing it for ten years, Richard Gibbon would just driven straight yeah. past there like from chewing gum. It's, not, it's not like, it's <laughs> not like, like crack prostitute, is it? <laughs> but, but also I'm sure at the beginning, and it's been a while since I've seen it, I'm sure at the beginning she's like, Look, this is what you've got to do. She has to be trained to do it like she's never done it before. Because then Disney could be like, whoa, whoa. She was only a streetwalker for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Richard just got in there quick. <laughs> all, the, all the other like ladies are like, you fucker, you've yeah. only been here two seconds. You, <laughs> you bagged the good one. You absolute bastard. Um, let's continue our journey of romance, James. Oh, and yeah. If we're gonna, we want real a real romance story, one of devotion, a tale of just being utterly besotted and beside yourself. Worship almost. Yes. I'm talking misery. <laughs> I'm talking Kathy Bates and um, James Kahn in Stephen King's 1987 novel, which came out in 1990, Misery. Nothing says I love you like hobbling your legs in a scene that still makes me crunch. It, that is the scene though, isn't it? No it is one goes to anything else in that movie. That is the problem because what you've actually got is you've got a stellar performance from Kathy Bates. She's, Oscar winner. She won she, the Oscar, yeah. She's so next level. In a, in a, before you... Oh my God, the giant, the biggest spider is just coming to your room behind you. <laughs> Sorry, you scared the piss out of me for a second now. Anyway, where were we? Oh, Kathy Bates. Yeah. <laughs> Kathy Bates is next level brilliant. And do you know what? I don't really like James Caan. I still think James Caan was, was pretty good as an unlovable asshole author. I think if, hold on. Yeah, he's still being shot in The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> That's the just, longest. Just checking. Yep, yep. <laughs> they reloaded. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think James Khan. I think James Khan's wicked in this. That this the movie actually reading around it today. The movie went through quite difficult production to get up and running. Obviously, the book came out in eighty seven. Stephen King's hotter this time. We're going to talk about another one of Stephen King's incarnations that came out in nineteen ninety. But you know, there are um, there was problems around getting a director to around getting actors that would film the ankle breaking scene. Yeah. So most were turned off at that scene, which isn't as bad as in the book. In the book, saying, she breaks the ankle and chops the foot off. No, I was going to say, I do remember someone telling me. Well, the book's worse. I actually think it's, it's worse if you hobble because you can kind of like see your leg. You know, if, if it was me, I'd rather have it cut off because then I know, at least I know, oh, that's never happening again. <laughs> at least I've got that, you know, in me. Because it's always that thing though, isn't it? Like cutting someone's leg off and then like attaching it on a broom handle and just jabbing them in the face. <laughs> Why are you kicking yourself? Why are you kicking yourself? What is actually here is actually like a near perfect story as well. It's like the ultimate fan. And there is quite a few of these, like the fan obviously is another big one. Um, swim fan as well. But like you love a character so much, she's so invested in that. Oh my gosh, she just so happens to come across her favourite author. And then she reads it. And what I love about it is, is she's a nice person until she reads the manuscript and then, or the book, sorry. And then she realizes what's going to happen to her favourite character. That's when she fucking goes mental mm. because she doesn't have anything else like in her life worth living for or or maybe there's something there. That, that undercurrent that only bubbles over when something bad happens. Like so nice at first, like too nice, you know, like, Gonna fill you with cherry pie, and then afterwards, I'm gonna break your fucking legs. Yeah, and there's also that feeling of isolation, isn't there? A lot of yeah. King's novels, you think of things like The Shining. That when the snow comes down, people become isolated. They become their mind becomes a little bit warped. Um, you know, the brain atrophies if it's not stimulated. And yeah, I, I, I think it's a well-rounded film. I haven't seen it in the longest time, but I remember 
watching it as a kid, unfazed, watching it as an adult, that ankle breaking scene, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That I, is graphic. You, it, it is a shame that the scene is so good that that's what you remember. Mm. Because like you said, it is the go-to scene. Can you remember anything else that happens in it? I felt like, you must really kind of can't. So I was going to say that in uh, Pretty Woman, they uh, they went through quite a few people before they landed on Julia Roberts and it, and it obviously became a breakout movie for it. They tried Jennifer Connelly, Diane Lane, Jodie Foster, Daryl Hannah, all declined. For Misery, as I say, they couldn't find a director or, or Kathy Bates, I think, signed on quite early, but Gene Hackman was signed up Mate. to do it. Gene but Hackman wouldn't do the ankle-breaking scene. Why not? Do you know what? No, I'm going to keep this to James Khan because James Khan has got... Yeah, you've seen a giant spider. spider's back now, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. Where's it going? I don't know. It's under me, I think. Good. So I'm going to say, I'm going to tap my feet so it stays the fuck away. <laughs> um, I, Gene Hammond should be in everything. Mm. Mate, mate, Transformers, Gene Hackman. <laughs> just, <laughs> just anything. I, I'm sad that I live in a world where Harry Potter wasn't played by Gene Hackman. Now, considering we've just been invaded by a giant house spider. James. He's perfect timing, isn't it? <laughs> Small town doctor, series of unexplainable deaths. Sounds like a case for Angela Lansbury and Murder, She Wrote. Or Jeff Daniels, John Goodman, and Julia Sands, of course, we're talking about arachnophobia. I think this is one of the most perfect... This is PG as well. People forget this. This film's brilliant. Mm. It plays on the rational fear that everyone's got. Everyone's terrified of spiders. That's, I'm not joking. I'm all right with spiders, but that, that spider's fucking huge. Where is it? It's on its way to you. It's, it's under my feet now. Oh, oh, no, please don't. Please don't, Mr. Spider. Anyway, this, this is what I mean. It's an irrational fear. It's something that looks different. <laughs> that's the world we live in it's different kill it with fire but what you've got here is you've got a collection of like let's be honest realistic characters you've got like the doctor the, who's come to the new uh, the new village new town the old the old doctor's basically turned around and going you know what fuck it I'm not going to retire screwing over Jeff Daniels but he's come here he's got the family they're all not fitting in there's mysterious deaths but they can be you know they can be paid off it's like he's the only one that believes it you've got the old time doc, uh, the old town doctor you know setting his ways he doesn't believe in the new world You've got the land developer who's also the football coach. You know, look at my boys, you know, that sort of thing. You've got loads going on. And then you've got, oh, an expert opening scene. A photographer goes to, like, South America to be with Julian Sands' character to take photos. And it's how it's dis discovered and how, like, the spider gets from, like, Brazil or Argentina, I can't remember, Chile, Colombia, South America way. And it gets to this town in, like, sleepy, you know, rural America. It's brilliant. Mm. And it's got one of my favourite... Um, Favourite characters in uh, John Goodman plays the over-the-top exterminator like fucking Rambo with acid. <laughs> John Goodman does rock it in this movie. He does rock it in this movie. I love this film. I think it's brilliant. And I do not understand why, when people talk about horrors, it's not gory or anything, but there's a scene where Jeff Daniels wakes up in the middle of the night. It's good to talk about this scene. Brilliant, yeah. And he sees, the sp he sees, a, sees a spider and he's going to kill it because he's terrified. And he gets up there and then realises afterwards that it's actually a coat hanger or something. Coat hook, yeah. It's a coat hook that's just like a bent. Like it's the shadow that you can see. Mm. And he's like, oh, thank Christ. Like, how many times have we been there though? We've all been like that. We've all been like, I'm going to fucking kill that thing, whatever it is. Oh, it's me in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, there's three standout scenes that we all, it's like Jaws. After Jaws, people were scared in the water. Yeah. After arachnophobia, I was scared. It's the shower. <laughs> yeah. And it's also anyone who's dead, don't open the mouth because there could be a spider yeah. in there. That's terrifying, isn't it? One of my favourite underrated scenes is Julian Sands comes to town. He's, he's here for the spider. Like, he's never, he's never heard of an aggressive spider before, before because this, this spider's never come across humumans before. It's been mm. untouched in the, the rainforest. We'll assume so it's really human's fault, to be fair. It is human's fault. And then he, um, spider update. Uh, it's gone from me, mate. So it could be, as you talk, I'll see where he is. All right. Um, what you've got is this brilliant scene where he comes to town and then uh, Julian Sands asks, um, asks John Goodman's character, have you, uh, have you come across him yet? Um, and he goes, yeah, yeah, everybody is. He's like to see a specimen. And John Goodman gets his shoe. 
puts it on the fucking table. I love that. The contrast, mate. You've got the ultimate scientist versus the ultimate uh, killer. There you go. I absolutely love John Goodman in this. He's having so much fun. I absolutely adore it. I have no idea where that spider's gone. Oh, fair enough. I'm not actually that... that he, he was a fast mover bugger. That's, that's the one... Right, so that... James, we're on sync, mate. Right. I don't mind spiders. There's two things, though, that I don't like about spiders. One is when they're just there and they're minding their own business. Yeah. Fair enough. But I pick up a towel and he's there. That I don't yeah. like that. I don't like being surprised. If they came in and announced themselves... Or I had a whistle. If they constantly whistled. But every time I get like a touch on my leg now, I'm going to be convinced it's yeah. going to like eat me. <laughs> That's one I don't like. And when they're fast buggers. And this this one is faster than big. But I don't mind a big, this time of day, uh, this time of year, you're going to give them stick in your, you know, in your top layers of your house, mm. trying to stay inside. Do not kill spiders. They they give more to the world than they take away. Did you ever tell you about the time I was in the bathroom and that spider came at me? Oh, no. Right. So I believe it was Christ reincarnated. Right, okay. Because I'm in the bath, quite warm, <laughs> water's full. I'm laying back. I'm chilling. Yeah. Before like iPads and Netflix and stuff in the bathroom. Don't do that though, electricals, war, don't mix. But I was looking at, you know, the safety like like towards the top of the bath. So if you overflow it, it kind of, you know, the, the plug halfway yeah. up. Yeah. I'm laying there staring no, at it. No, honestly, I'm oh. staring at it thinking, fuck it up, be odd if a spider came oh, out of that, wouldn't it? Christ. And I shit you not, about two seconds later, it fucking come out running on water, which is why I think it was Christ. And I drowned that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> The only way it wasn't Christ, and this one's even more unsettling, is if it was running faster than the speed of light. <laughs> it, it had a move on it, mate. This was Usain Bolt of the Spider World. <sighs> I, I, you yeah. killed. You killed probably the one spider that was going to unite all spiders. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're Fudge's pilot <laughs> in the Spider World. Yeah, so they're the only spiders that don't like the fast ones and the ones that are just there, like you know, picking up a mug and there's one underneath it or yeah, that kind of shit. <laughs> Fucking spiders, right? Change my mind, kill them all. If someone went, look, there's a spider in that box, that won't bother fun. me because no. I, I already know where it is and I'll go pick it up, whatever. That don't that don't bother me. I think I was once asleep on a hot night, so I was sleeping above the covers and I felt something go across my back, just assumed it was a speed of sweat or something. And then it went in the other direction. I was like, I was a spider and it crawled up very slowly, then up towards mm. my head. And I probably freaked out. But I just woke up. Anyway, arachnophobia, I think, does a very good job of uh, actually showing arachnophobia in what is. Um, I think it's a really good film. So I think it holds up, you know. I have uh, incredibly good memories. I think the film's actually very good. And I keep mentioning this. It's PG and that's all it needs to be. It's PG, yeah. It's that's not, yours. It's not gory. The scene where they... There is one gory bit, I think. They, uh, the body is completely exsanguinated. It's, it's cool. the, the spider, for no reason, has sucked out all its blood. <laughs> that's really cool. And I quite like the end fight scene. So mm. the end fight scene, for spoilers, is Jeff Daniels accidentally falls through um, into his cellar which he's trying to turn into a wine cellar. There's no spiders in there. It's basically where the queen lives. Then they do this really like this POV shot of the spider. Then you see the spider like hunched in the corner, like he's got a grand plan and it has. And, it's, and Jeff Daniels, who at this time wasn't like the hero he is now. It wasn't dumb and dumber territory. It wasn't dumb and Mate, pulls out a nail gun and you've got a f- that end fight scene. <laughs> that end fight scene. It's actually pretty good because it's believable because he's just shitting himself with a homemade lighter going, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> That that is that's quite a good trope, isn't it? In movies, where it's like falling into the nest of the big one. Yeah, the one thing you've been trying to get away from. And I was I was like that about. Did you see the movie The Grey? No, Liam Neeson and the Wolves. In the Wolves, yeah. And in that, he's um, he's trying to evade the pack. And at the end, like you know, when he's like exhausted and frozen, you know, and, and he's he's running out of options. He's he's fucking ended up right where they want him in the nest of like yeah. the wolves. And it was like. It, yeah, arachnophobia is one of them. Is it aliens? Those kind of films where it's like they fall, where it's like, hold on, and then you just remember like the scientists going, 
There'll be well, no other spiders. Though. Yeah, you'll know where the queen is because there's no other spiders. And then the, you know, you twig on about two seconds before the main guy does. I think this was the first film I ever found a plot hole in as well. So I can't remember if this came out in the nineties or only four. So obviously didn't see this till it was about maybe eight nine. This is a BBC One movie mm. Saturday night. About BBC Two eight o'clock. Oh yeah. Um, the biggest plot hole is so they work it out because the spider attacks are all happening within like a circle of the house, um, and then. Automatically, all the spiders, um, all the spiders' watches go off, and they say they attack the house that they live nearest at the exact same time. I thought that was lucky because there's no re- there's no excuse for them to do not do that. They're very organised. They are very organised. We can't even begin to understand the fucking complexities of the spider, James. I don't even understand humans half the time. Mate, that spider's so big. I think you should charge it rent. <laughs> I think you've got your house, mate. We'll find it after this show. Um, talking of uh, you know creatures. Tremors, mate. Mate, I love Tremors. I'm just trying to work out, did we do a show on Tremors? We've covered Tremors for some reason. I can't remember I why so. we covered it. Because uh, a few weeks ago... We Graboids, right? Graboids, uh, Kevin Bacon and Burt West. Is it Burt West? Fred. Fred, Fred Ward. Ward. Fred Ward. Fred, Fred West is a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love this film. I think this film's great. Grind me. Perfect. You can tell I got no budget because you just went into the arsehole of the desert. It, it, that sort of thing works for this, though. A lot like arachnophobia. It doesn't have to be gory. It doesn't have to be top. It's quite a campy horror. I've got great memories of this. Thinks it's fantastic. I think they did ruin it because every sequel they did, they they found it harder to get their big names back and buy the fourth one. I think it's set. It's a wild west, and it's just got the uh, the, the Bert, the gun toting weirdo as the main guy. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, what's it? The prepper stasher guy. Yeah, but um, I really like it. No, I have fond memories of this. I can't remember why we were doing it, but I have watched it recently. Big court film when I was at school. Like yeah. it was like have you seen Tremors? And people talk about it like yeah, these worms on the ground. If you make noise, they come up, they bite you, they eat you. You know, it was. I, I knew more about this movie before I'd seen the movie. I remember the I remember the gravels when you actually seen were crap, but that's not oh, why you're the waiting for. The charm of it though, back in the day, isn't it? The charm of these movies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kevin Bacon in a great role, but you could tell this is prime. Eight. It is his prime Kevin Bacon time because mm. <laughs> he's going to show up. Well, talking to Kevin Bacon, let's just go to his other 1990 smash hit, going alongside Julia Roberts once again. Oh my god, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh my god. Uh, Oliver Platt I know and fucking one of the Baldwins which we don't know which one but it was one doesn't of them. matter it wasn't the main Baldwin it wasn't the Queen <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, one. It wasn't <laughs> the one you have to kill to kill all the Baldwins <laughs> damaged by Joel Schumacher of course Flatliners fucking love Flatliners because we've all been there pissed about with death yeah these guys just took it to the next level yeah, you went to university I went to university do you remember when you had a few drinks and you decided to kill each other to experience mm. if there was an afterlife well, this is why I didn't take up medicine, James, this movie, because I thought... It's why I stopped going to university. <laughs> it's like, James, you haven't been to university in a while. Well, I've saw this film and it made me think we're going to experiment with death. Um, do you know what? I think the character, I can't remember the character's name, but Kiefer Sutherland is basically so, so alpha, so up his own ass. He's like, the only thing that can stop me is death. Let's he's see. like a crack addict for death. Yeah, he's like, I want to see if there is death. I want to see what there is. And I remember watching this film and... Again, I saw this quite young. So what I what I took away from this film was really obvious. <laughs> like adults were going, Yeah, that's really obvious, James. Shut up. But I really like the idea, like the first time they experience it, um, when uh Keith Sutherland goes to death, everything's nice. You know, everything's pretty good. And then when he goes back later and has the visions of the dream, everything's like cracked and it decaying and it's different. It's the same pictures but told in a different way. I really like the imagery. I feel Joel Schumacher is in his element here. He can piss him out and everyone's gonna love him. Camp it up with some late 80s, early 90s uh, filters. I really like this film. I really like the bickering and like Kevin Bacon alpha it up against Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland like, I want to go under longer. Mm. 
And I really like the message is like, you need to sort things out. But then there's a problem in Keith Sutherland's because Keith Sutherland's, his torment, his horror, k- killed themselves. So he has to kill himself to go basically apologise. I really like the message. Well, I don't like the message of the story, but I really like the story it told. I certainly it's, original. It's definitely original. It, I'm sure they remade it a few years ago. And yeah, it was, they did. And it was bollocks. Like yeah. It was, no. It had um, Elliot Page in it and... Because Kiefer Sullivan apparently turns up at the end. Yes, I but, have heard about the Elliot... I, th- I thought it was Elliot Page, but I didn't know if it actually was. Yeah, I, I like Flatliners when I watched it. Flatliners was... I was introduced by this by, like, a, someone's dad who was like, oh, if you like movies, have you seen this one? Because it was like... It's, again, that 90s, 80s, like, era of like the Rat Pack duo or, or group of actors. They're all equally like Julie Roberts at the time, obviously broken out from Pretty Woman, but you know, Baldwin, Sutherland, Bacon, Oliver Platt as well. We've got a special mention. That guy's, his filmography is huge. It's weird as well, isn't it? It's just like, he'll say yes to pretty much anything. Pretty much anything. <laughs> but regardless, I mean, it's, that's a good lineup to a movie. It, 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 it a pretty original movie as well. Yeah. Um, I, I like Flatlines. I've got a real soft spot. For I really it. like Flatlines. I, I do want, I, Flatlands, is, it suffers from the fact that you can't see it. It's a lot like Last Boys. You have to really find it out. You have to go look for it. If it was on telly now, would you watch it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I really like Flatlands. I've got fond memories of it, but I don't own it on anything. Mm. So when am I ever going to watch it? As far as I'm aware, it's not on the Netflix. It's not on the Amazon. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd be honest. But Sky's got some pretty good films on it. Uh, pretty Woman, Misery, Arachnophobia, Tremors, Flatliners. Right. Let's bring in uh, Dan Weiss. Let's go Johnny Depp. Let's go Winona Ryder. The film with so many questions, but the biggest being, how does he wipe his ass? Edward Scissorham. My mind hasn't changed that much. I don't like this Shut film. up, James. I, I, of Tim Burns' films, this is one I like, one of the ones I like the most. I It's, it's, it's not as good as um, Edward. I love Edward. I think Edward's like a like fucking Ron amazing film. I don't get it. I don't get why everyone likes this one so much. I'm sorry. I like this one because, and bear in mind, this is, I mean, I liked it when it came out. I still like it now. It's that gothic fairy tale stab at corporate Americana. And I do. Which is the, ironic now that Tim Burton yeah, works for Disney. Exactly. But, but at the time, it, you couldn't help but feel like it, it had like a, a sense of rebellion to it. You know, it He's had different. like a clear message. Yeah. It, I, I really liked it. And I also liked it because like, from from living here in the UK, watching it and kind of seeing that contrast of like, well, what America, you know, that kind of like 1950s, 60s feel that it has, you know, where all, like that opening shot, the, the kind of the um, the flyover camera scene where everyone leaves the house at the same time, all the cars leave off the driveway at the same time. It's so syncopated and, and um, you know, everyone's kind of like lawn is fucking pristine and then pans up horrible looking castle at the end of the, of the road. I was captivated, mate. I, this, this to me, Tim, Tim Burton's best movie for me is always Big Fish. Oh, that, that's that's, that's well. the top one for me. And it, But I do, he's early, so Beetlejuice, Batman, this, the, the, are the great movies. Yeah. That, guy, that guy came out the gate, Ed Wood came out the gate fucking firing. And it's, I still liked Tim Burton, but, do you know what, again, I'm sure when we did the Tim Burton episode, I ended up conceding on this film again. Mm. I do concede, do you know what, because it is different, it's, it's great. I don't like Winona Ryder's character. I know you're not supposed to when you first meet her. I, I have questions like, you know, when they meet him and he's in his leather thing, like, how bad does he smell? Oh, mate. <laughs> it's just things like that. Just And I really hate the ending because, you know, she's dancing in the snow, it's because he's sculpting up in his... It really pisses me off. I know, I know you're not supposed. Do I? No, actually, I'm thinking about it, just winding me up. No, I, I don't know why, mate. I don't know why Edward Tizan's gonna fuck himself. <laughs> I, I don't think that's gonna be your top pick, then. No, no, I don't think so. I'm sorry, mate. I'm really sorry. Now, if there was one movie that springs to mind that is confusing, yep, 
that is violent. Yep. Sci-fi. Yep. Is Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And it's also a, a very nice time in cinema history of where computer generated graphics were starting to be introduced. But we're still bollocks. But you all, <laughs> but you also then wanted to still use animatronics and yes. that kind of stuff. And this movie in particular, kind of it, you can see where the two are trying to meet in the middle. Yeah. Of course, we're talking about total recall. Mars, Dreams, Sharon Stone, Ronnie Cox, Schwarzenegger, Michael Ironside, Quato. Open your mind. Where did we get this from? Uh, so I think Ronnie Cox was the bad guy. Because <laughs> Ronnie Cox appears it. a few times in this and in one of them he's not the bad guy. I know, it's not right, is it? Anyway, I, you know what? No. I quite, do you want? Know I think this is an underrated gem. I quite like Total Recall. Underrated? This film's mad. Everyone loves this film, doesn't they? No, it? but when you... Right, so we've even done it. Does it ever come up into the top Schwarzenegger? Does it, though? Does, do, when you say top Schwarzenegger, you know, well, do we, you watch... Are you doing top jump? five or top ten? Because top, top five, no. Top five. But top ten, it probably isn't there. I mean, top five, yeah, exactly. Just just under erasure. <laughs> the, the film that everyone fucking loves. Um, I think um, it does a great job of, you know, telling you a different story. And it's brilliant. I like the book it's based on. It. It's it's good. It's good family. It's good sci-fi. It's really good sci-fi. It was it Philip K. Dick, isn't it? This book? Philip K. Dick, yeah. Um, I am on the strong opinion, though, and I, and I don't understand how anyone can see it any differently, that it's, it's all in his head. He's had a mental breakdown. That's what I don't understand. You know when people debate goes, is it real? Or is I, thought it it, I, thought it was, I thought it was all about implanted memories. Yeah, but there's this big debate where people go, oh, I, I, mate, I watched right. it when I was a kid, no idea what this oh, film was definitely, about. Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's part of his breakdown because everything he asked for, and he, the, the literal line is, a blue sky over Mars. What's the, How does the film end? A blue sky over Mars. It's over the top, it's brutal. I love the practical effects, especially with the mutants on Mars, you know, because they get uh, dirty oxygen. Ronnie Cox is brilliant. You know, my client size is the great henchman. Although let's be honest, I'll never understood why a, a film executive when they were doing casting went, yeah, my client side, yeah, he could go up against fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'd like to point out the construction worker who just, who just, but his best mate, just a fat bloke in a beard. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm just a construction worker. My, oh, when you get home, what are you going to do? Oh, uh, Sharon Stone, my wife's going to be doing some aerobics and I'm going to fucking work out because look at the fucking size of me. <laughs> and you can't say it's the future because everyone else is fat and podgy. <laughs> Absolute fucking bullshit. That's the thing with Stallone. Uh, with Stallone and Schwarzenegger, isn't it? Is you Anything. can't pass them off, is yeah, it? Yeah, you can't. It's just like, or like fucking, I'll never forgive um, True Lies when he's like, oh, I just work with computers. And and fucking uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has the audacity to go, oh, he's just a nerd. I fucking look at him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, she's, I can't remember his character name in True Lies. Like, let's say it's just like David or whatever. Like, David? No! <laughs> David's a, he's a geek. He's what? Like, you seen him? <laughs> fucking look at him, you knobhead. It's even awesome. It's like it's like in Jingle All the Way when he's like <laughs> being a CEO at the beginning of a, of like the fucking factory. He's just like, no, you're not. <laughs> you own a gym. That's what you do. And I, I really like uh, Total Recall. I think it's brilliant. I, I think it's a bit of an underrated gem because it's not mine. And when I say underrated, I don't mean that underrated. Like you say, it's still a classic. Everyone loves it. Huge box office, this one again. Yeah. I, this is a film as well that they remade as well terribly a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, the Colin Farrell one. Yeah, it's, which is a shame. I they completely um, changed the storyline though, didn't they? Yeah, in, in the in that one, wasn't it that like half the world works one side for the rich side, the other it's side like dark is a pure in darkness or something. Yeah, I don't think much to the remake. But no, I, but just, recall. I remember as a kid thinking that's fucking violent. Yeah, like the whole sh- shopping mall bit where they where they they're trying to hunt him down. And there's like the shootout on the escalator. And yeah. Like, dude just takes bullets. I like, um, I like scenes where, where he tries to smuggle himself in as a woman. And you just think, yeah, that would never happen because your arms look at you. 
<laughs> who's the seven foot woman <laughs> with a thick Austrian Who's that fucking hench the woman over there? Like, <laughs> the fucking biceps on that. Um, yeah, just actually, do you want really good? Hey, Scott, what's really weird is if I didn't realise this film was in the 90s, this, this film screams from the 80s. Well, that's what I mean. This is a hanger on, isn't this, it? Uh, this is just me, Ronnie Cox. Yeah. <laughs> um, TV movie now, breaking the rules a little bit. TV movie, no, two parts, uh, mini series, I guess. Psychological horror about a clown yeah. that likes to eat and kill kids. Mm-hmm. Tim Curry's It. Right, right. One of the poor, poor written TV, like we'll call it movie, one of the poorest TV movies of all time. It's written so badly and it's acted terribly by the, and not by the kids, I'm talking about the adult actors. Tim Reed's in it, mate, and he was the dad and sister sister, so I'm not I'm not having that about him. Oh, I apologize. He gets a pass. Um, I If you compare it, the only the only big comparison is, is obviously it came out not that long ago, um, Stars Guard, you know, and, and big names behind it. Everything about this film to me is, is cheap. It's cheap, it, it, it gets nothing done, it's slow, laborious, and the character of it just shows up in the first, it's a two part, in the first part, doesn't do anything, he just stands there, it's like Pops. Pennywise, yeah. Pennywise doesn't do anything. Nothing about it is brilliant. Everything about it is slow. I was really old when I saw this film. I watched it when we had a party at your house once and everyone else went to bed and I'd never seen it before. I didn't realise it was a two, it was on two discs. I watched the first one and it ended. I was like, well, what's that? But I'm going to say now, Tim Curry was a better it. And that show, mm. and the reason I say that, well, we're gonna. I'm having this debate. 161 episodes. Finally, we're here, despite the fact that this, you know, it came out long before. <laughs> it came out in '99, right? Um, Stars Guard is is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. But to be a clown, a truly scary clown, kids must be, you know, attracted to you. They must like want something from you. And I'll compare the two scenes when, and they are iconic, and they are some of the best scenes that will terrify you forever. Where the clown Pennywise is in the storm drone. He's in a storm drone, and Tim Curry lures the kid in because he's like, pop, pop, pop. Uh, sorry. And then you've got Starsguard, who's just a freak. And if you're a kid, you're like, fuck right off. I'm not going anywhere. And I know that's really stupid. But my, I prefer my Pennywise, Tim Curry, because he was an actual clown and not just a serial killer. And that makes this film stand out because if you took away Tim Curry, you'd have a waste of time. Any other actor in this role would be pointless. But Tim Curry actually turns this from a shit movie into something that's quite watchable. But only the Tim Curry scenes. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Whenever yeah. I've watched this, you are watching it for the Tim Curry scenes. Yeah. Like anytime the clown's not in it, it's a bit boring. He's boring. I mean, this film stands out, and that's where you'd say the remake is obviously a lot better. But but for me, I think it's one of the all time great performances. I think Tim Curry as Pennywise is free and amazing. I think the the film isn't as scary as people make out. I think this, oh, no, this is one of the movies that has like a you know a cult following. I don't know. You can't speak on behalf of other people, but I've often said this like friends who have gone, oh, that film's terrifying. I'm like, just watch it. The quickest way to get over your fear of the film here is to rewatch it because it does not age well at all. There are, <laughs> I remember there's a scene where one of them guys kills themselves as an adult because they realise they've got to go back to Maine. Mm. And they write in a shower curtain, it. And then I remember if I was the wife that discovered that body, be like, is that, a, do I need more? Because mm. that's not been described to me. You've just written it. There what, are, does that, what does that mean? There are some, you know, the library scene's pretty freaky. There's a scene when like they looks across and Pennywise is digging a grave. There are some bits like that there. Yeah. The tormenting side of the clown. But it's a two-part that doesn't need to be a two-part. No. Disappointing film in rewatch, but you know, you do have a performance that you cannot ignore. Tim Curry. Mm. And I love, I, Tim Curry's Pennywise is brilliant to me. Rest of the film, total dog. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll yeah, take right. it. 
Uh, we're going to do some a couple of quick ones now that I don't want to spend too much time on because we do have to make haste, James. Okay. And I think we definitely talked about Rocky Five before. Mate, love that film. It's brilliant. Rewatch it. You're all wrong if you don't like it. You're all... No, he's not that good, but it's still a personal favourite. <laughs> yeah, Keith Sutherland returns in Young Guns 2. Everyone loves Young Guns 2. Young Guns 2 is the one that you remember. No one remembers the first one, which it, is it, good it, because the second one's basically the same film. <laughs> yeah, I always remember the second one. Yeah. Hunt for Red October. Brilliant film. Absolutely fantastic. Sean Connery doesn't even attempt an accent in this one. We're, and we've got the, we've got the, um, what's it? The, we've, we've got the Queen the, Baldwin. The Emperor, <laughs> the Emperor Baldwin in this one. Mate, you've got Sam Neill in this film. You are, you've got uh, Earl Jones. I, do you know what? I actually think this is one of my favourite Jack Ryan, uh, Jack Ryan uh, films as well. And he's my favourite Jack Ryan. I thought he's brilliant in this. Mm. I think Alec Baldwin does a good job of basically nailing this film. So let's go big. Ooh. Let's go uh, Jerry Zucker, big. The highest grossing movie of 1990, starring Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, Tony Goodwin, double Oscar winner for supporting actress for Whoopi, and best screenplay. We are talking about the movie that changed the game of pottery wheels forever. Ghost. What do you think of Ghost? Uh, I, I liked it. You So there's parts to the movie that, like, it is a good film. I'll say that right now. It's a good film. It's rewatchable. I rewatched it a couple of years back. And I think certainly since Patrick Swayze's passing, you can't deny the the guy's on-screen presence is... It, it was up there with some of the greats, some of the absolute greats. Oh, and I'm going like golden years era of greats. Like there's just something about him that's charismatic, captivating, charming. The guy can act. He's not just a heartthrob, you know, with a tight vest and, and jeans. Like the guy could act. He had chops on him. Um. I believe the romance, which is has to be fundamental in this movie. It has to be the absolute foundation. I believe that. Um, fucking terrible villain in it. Uh, Tony Goodwin has the face of a man that will sleep with your wife. Like, he, that is him, <laughs> isn't it? Like, he, he he's the perfect sleazy, like, friend slash villain, you know, in it. Whoopi Goldberg is, this is it's the best Whoopi Goldberg performance. That's and I that, like... That's not that difficult, mate. Well, I like Sister Act, mate. All right? And I like Sister Act too. I'll tell you. Will you be watching Sister Act 3? Is that a thing? Probably I not. Remember hearing it's that? a stage show now, isn't it? Oh, that's, well, that's fine. I'll live with that. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I like Whoopi Goldberg. It's a fucking crime. She never mar- married Peter Cushing because yeah. that would have been would have been the greatest name ever. But um, yeah, Ghost. I, I like it. I, I'm not a ghost like denier. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> do, you know what, do you know what my problem with this film is? I saw it young. I did see it young. You know, I wasn't into romance. I wanted, you know, I wanted, I wanted roundhouse. Me. That's what I wanted. Um, did I like it? Yes. But like all films, especially when we talk about Misery, you remember one scene. I remember the scene where she's doing pottery and fucking, and he's molesting her with his ghost vibes. And I don't like that scene. I think it's shit. I don't, I don't, I hate it. I've got to put it down there. I hate that scene. And as a result of that, because that scene's so iconic, it brings the whole film down for me. But I, I think the film's good. I, it was nice. I agree with you. With Swayze actually doing some acting. That was, that was pretty good. You know, I believed in the, the scene with the with the ghost figurines. That's iconic as well, mm. where they like pull him away. That's just quite horrible. Whoopi Goldberg is good. And I really like that aesthetic as well. Like she's trying to get Demi Moore to believe her. Yeah, she's a clear I, boy. That's and... actually pretty good. I quite like that. You, you, you actually, you know what? You've actually turned around. Whoopi Goldberg is actually brilliant. In yeah, so I think she's, she's really very good. good. Demi Moore's believ- uh, believable because when she shows up, she's like, fuck you. <laughs> so I do not believe you at all. Yeah, do you know what? You've, you've swayed me. You've swayed me to Swayze. However, please get rid of the part of saying because I hate it. 
I remember as a kid watching this young and you know, the scene when like the, the murder happens yeah, and he, and it's done really well. Like, so you get this like overhead shot of Swayze chasing after the villain and he's like, he's like, don't come back around here, you know, kind of thing. And then when he walks back, he's like, why is she crying? And why is she, what's she hunched over? Yeah. And then he sees his own body. That bit, honestly, as a kid, like I've seen, you Actually, know, like, that's, a, good that's a really well told way, particularly with keeping the rating down that he's died. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. I don't like how much you're swaying me on this. Ghost, mate. Do you know what? Here's what I'll do. I haven't seen it in years. I'll rewatch it. Mm. I'll rewatch Ghost. I mean, yeah. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Double dose of Mel Gibson next. Yeah, go on then. The 90s, mate. I tell you, people getting in their, uh, <laughs> when, getting their money's worth him. When he had his career. Air America with uh, Robert Downey Jr. C- CIA covert airlifting out of Vietnam. Do you see the trailer for this? Have I seen the trailer? I've yeah. seen the movie, mate. This one, this... I've seen the trailer, which makes it look like it's going to be a buddy cop type thing. And then I've watched the film. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I've got a soft spot for Air America. I actually quite like it. I like, I like the movie. Yeah. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are like, oh, you couldn't Because I think it's, it's, it's like anti-war. It's it's like anti-military, anti, anti uh, military, uh, not anti-military, but it's, it's got certain anti-war time kind of things. It takes a fucking... I don't think there's been many pro-Vietnam war yeah, films, so. though. <laughs> Except for that scene in, like, Platoon, where he goes, I fucking love war. <laughs> and, and no, yeah, I really like it's underrated. A lot of people know its name, but I don't think many people have seen it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's certainly, for me, it's the movie where it starts to move Mel Gibson into, like, Forever Young, and a lot of those kind of, um, I think he did his directorial debut in the Midnight's as well, with Man Without a Face. Yeah. And so they, this, you know, like, because the other film, Bird on a Wire, is like the end of Mel Gibson's, like, mullety action. It's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, bring about that mullet. <laughs> he needs that mullet back. But you know, like, in the Lethal Weapons and yeah. stuff, and he had that little longer hair. Air America does seem like he went for more of the kind of heartthrob and the PG movies. And Man Without a Face is a very, very good movie. And I think, I can't remember who the young lad in it is. I can't remember who it is. It might be like Nick Stahl. I think Mark Vera well. is. No, but you like you're young, young. Oh, forgivable. And Man Without a Face, he 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 directs it and he stars in it, and he's a teacher that now lives a secluded life because he was in a car accident, so a lot of his face is disfigured. And um, this kid like moves to the island, live, moves to like the the kind of town, and he's failing at English, so he starts taking private lessons. But there's this backstory about did he was he in a relationship with a student when the car crashed and all this kind of stuff. Really good drama. Yeah. Really good drama. And everyone, when they get thinking of Mel Gibson's directing, like Apocalypto, Passion of the Christ, um, obviously um, Braveheart, you know, the one that he won the Oscar for. Man Without a Face is my fucking favourite any time. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it. He's really good. I, I used to be like a Mel Gibson historian until events. <laughs> <laughs> until <laughs> events. And then, uh, but until, yeah. Until events, yeah. But so, yeah. So Air America, again, was one of them where way too young to get you know the the message and you know what that movie is but Robert Downey Jr. is really good in it It he's also kind of like a little bit of a passing the torch to Downey Jr. as well yeah, you really know because nice he's the recruit yeah it's this weirdly. is before the events again <laughs> before many events <laughs> he um he's so young in it isn't he he's yeah. just got such a slappable baby face favourite Robert Downey Jr. movie oh Kiss Kiss Bang Bang I really do love that Chaplin, any day. Oh, Chaplin's brilliant. As Chaplin's well. got to be the one. I love the it? scene where he goes for a pier and no one likes him. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why I like that so much. Oh, yeah. did he didn't fight in a war? No, just, sorry, just thinking of me, Ed. Bird on a Wire, though, with Goldie Horn. I really like that one as well. Goldie Horn belongs in Kurt Russell's arms. 
How dare you? And can you can you link overboard? No, oh. Kurt, Kurt Russell, Goldie Horn, and Mel Gibson. No, Tequila Sunrise. Oh, I've not, never seen that one either. All right, is that no. good? Uh, it's all right. Better I mean, than wise, better. I mean, that sounds. Um, that sounds like it'd be awful. <laughs> Tequila Sunrise is all right. It's yeah, it's okay. It's named after a boat in the movie. Oh, okay. But yeah, the uh, Bernard Wire I always prefer because that's the one that ends in the zoo, isn't it? So he's under yes. witness protection, and then like all good nineties movies, oh. under witness protection. And when he realizes the FBI can't can't help him, he sticks it to the man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and he goes after the gang. As you would though. Yeah, yeah. And Goldie <laughs> Horn's like an ex girlfriend who gets kind of yeah. She sees who, oh, she sees him at one point, and it isn't it? And he's like, Bill the- Duke is in it. Bill Duke. Bill Duke is in it. Really? Yeah. That's that's nice, mate. That's a pull. I deserve an award for that. <laughs> On your Bill Duke or? Yeah. For the listeners, who's Bill Duke? Probably most known for Predator because he's shaving without shaving. a beard. Yeah, but, that's, <laughs> but that's why he's not got a beard, mate, because he's shaving. Because he's shaving, good point. My, Although then he cuts himself, so he's not that good at shaving. My, my favourite pull of him, for no reason, is in my favourite shit movie, which isn't anymore, Half Past Dead. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. It's Exiwins. Exiwins. <laughs> it's Exiwins. He shows up as a police captain for no reason. It's just, oh, that's Bill Duke. <laughs> Thank you, Bill Duke. I like the guy. I think I, he's great. I love Bill Duke. I just, um, I don't know. Is he dead? I don't think so, is I he? I not. It needs to be more things. Bring back Bill Duke. Yeah, Bill Duke's still alive. Good. Um, Yeah, he's also in uh, Commando, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Oh, he was in Exit Wounds. Yeah, Chief Inge. Yeah. Because, uh, spoilers, there's two of them and you're supposed to... He's Let's a- not waste any time <laughs> on that movie, James. It's Exit Wounds starring Seagal. And who's the other one in it? DMX. Who's, DMX. Who, DMX, who's passed. Well, God bless him, but... God bless him. He survived Exit Wounds. Um, oh, fuck. Talking to Seagal. <laughs> Detective Mason wakes up from a seven-year coma after being left for dead. Now he's on a hunt. For the killer of his wife. Yeah. Hard to kill. Yeah, not seen it. <laughs> it's, I mean, other than Under Siege, it's the big cigar one, right? I've only seen Under uh, Mate, Under Siege, Under Siege 2, executive decision. That one, way, the one where he tries to save the environment by blowing people's heads off. <laughs> yeah, he definitely went downhill, didn't he? Mate, I've, I don't want to do this, but a Seagal episode, it's just, you'd have to watch movies. That's the problem. I just don't it, like it, the guy. It would be fun to take the piss, but the, the hours you'd have to put in before the episode to actually do it, no. I d- the guy, I don't know about Seagal. I like, okay, fair enough. Action, B-movies, all that stuff. Under Siege is good. Under Siege 2 is good. You know, this one. Casey good? Ryback is up there with the great action heroes. It, he, do you know why he's up there? Because he's, <laughs> you've got to have peril. Even, even you know, Schwarzenegger, you know, he's not, when he's the good guy, he's always still not the best. Despite his hench, he's going up against fat blokes. You know, he's still he's still in peril. No, 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 no. Not this man. <laughs> this man, a lot of them are under siege too. At no point does he break a sweat. He kills the main villain within seconds. <laughs> he just stabs him and he, there's no fight scene. <laughs> there's, there's a, the, Seagal though, that is him though, isn't it? Like, yeah. very rarely he's on the losing side of the fight. No, he never is. It's just, I remember when he got, um, his big break was an executive decision and his his face is first before Kurt Russell's an executive decision. It's the one where they go, a, f- a plane's been hijacked in space, in space, in the air, and they somehow connect it. And Kurt Russell's there as not the action hero who obviously is there doing all the action. And he dies. Mm. The um, uh, Not Stallone. What's his name? Skull. Skull dies in the plane like 20 minutes into the film. And you go, well, what? <laughs> yeah, and then he had that whole stint as like being a policeman. 
and a reality TV show, his martial arts stuff. Do you remember Steve Blackman, the wrestler? Yeah. Yeah, he also had a show like that as well. I think if you're going to do that, fucking go over the top, get fucking Mick Foley. I don't, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to crown that film with any awards to this episode. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Yes. After he was Batman. Yes. Uh, turned out to be the worst neighbor or the, the sorry, the worst tenant, sorry, in, in San Francisco's history in the movie Pacific Heights. In a film that's more relevant now, if you think about how easy it is to steal someone's identity and how I think that this film is, so this film isn't big. Am I not thinking that? Because I had to research this film when you sent me this, because I was like, I don't know if I've seen this. I didn't realize I had seen it, but I had seen it for, for donkeys. I just remember the end goes like, it goes, it, it goes, it goes dog, fucking yeah. crazy. Like, cause at the end he's basically built like a maze, hasn't he? And he tries to bury him alive. Yeah. And he's got the nail gun. And, yeah. he, and he's basically created like, he, like. It's got the doctor from Stranger Things in it as well. And like Modine. Yeah. And he's the, he's the guy that he's supposed to, he's, he's the guy he's supposed to care, but in the end you just want an idiot. But then they nail gun Keaton through the floor, spoilers. Yes. But I, I remember as a kid, this is like one of the first times I saw Keaton as a villain. Yeah, me too. And like, he was really good at it. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I, quite sinister. I don't understand why more people don't know this film. I think it's a really good film. Uh, Memory serves. Sorry, I've seen it. It's been so long since I've seen it. Memory serves. It's a very good film. It's probably a, a novel, and I imagine the novel is very, very good. Because when we think about it, it's it's kind of like Disturbia or Rear Window meets more interaction. It's not. It's not quite voyeurism. It's he, you know he's a tenant in their flat system, but then he becomes such an arsehole that like the other families mm. move out, and then he starts. I'm sure he starts stealing identities and stuff like that. Yeah. What, a, what an arsehole! What a great arsehole! Now, uh, while Keaton was getting familiar with a nail gun, Tom Selleck was quickly down under. Have you ever seen this movie? No. The only way I can describe it is... I think you know. You've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so Selleck's like a rifleman and he goes over to um, Australia and he's recruited by the town mayor. Yeah. And what he doesn't realise in the big twist is that he's been recruited to get rid of Aboriginals. Oh. But the mayor of that town is Alan Rickman. Oh. <gasps> And if you wanted to know what Hans Gruber was like as the mayor of an Australian town, because he acts the exact same. They're like, I like Rickman. I think Rickman was a brilliant actor. Like Snape is iconic. You know, obviously Love Actually, Truly Madly Deeply, which we're not going to talk about, which was also a 1990 movie, mm. which if you like the whole ghost <laughs> storyline, Truly Madly Deeply is well worth watching. Rickman has a fucking stunning stash in this. Like mm. Selick. Being on set with Selick in, in Quigley Down Under, one or two things has ever happened. He's ever walked away and then gone to madly, truly madly deeply and thought, I'm growing a stash for this next movie. <laughs> or if it was the other way around, he got stash envy and he cut it off before he saw Selick. <sighs> I don't know which one happened. But this movie, like, you, when you watch it, the, the thing is, it's just Alan Rickman doing Hans Gruber, but in a Western-style Australian movie. It's fucking weird. Yeah. He's acting exactly like Gruber. So if you haven't <laughs> does, seen it, go check that out. Is he Australian the accent up? No, does he fall? No. He, do, he, he puts about as much Australian as he does German. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, you could tell me, you could tell me, and I love Die Hard, it's still my favourite movie. You could tell me that every one of them terrorists is native German. I wouldn't believe you. Yeah. I wouldn't believe you. Because none of them understand German when they speak to each other in German. <laughs> they have to translate it in English. Shooting the glass and yeah, what? what? <laughs> Shoot the glass. Oh yeah, it is right. Other than the one who's like, snow, snow, snow. Fucking love Die Hard. Yeah, you do. A few more months, maybe Christmas. Um, before Chris Evans was America's ass, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Sillinger was Captain America. Yeah, in a movie 
that I know you're not going to believe this, James. I know, I know you're not going to believe that there was a Captain America in 1990. I know you're not going to believe that. I know you're not going to believe the Red School was in that movie, played by uh, Scott Paulin. Yeah. I know what you're definitely not going to believe is that Ronnie Cox is in this movie and he's not the villain. <laughs> I don't remember. I've seen this film, but I don't remember Ronnie Cox being in it. I saw it as a kid. Captain America? Yeah, I saw it as a kid. As I, because I believe the Red Skull is juicy in it. Like, his face is juicy. I remember I remember the Red Skull, which is why he's my favourite Marvel villain, because it's the first one I ever saw. Yeah, he, 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 does, he does look badass in it, in a kid's like, you know, like think PG movie. Remember. The thing is, though, because in, in the film, in the original, in the, in the 1990s Captain America, they do the whole, like, war stuff. Then Captain America's in the ice. And then when he comes out of the ice, Red Skull is still around. But now he's got, like, fake skin over his skull. And no one yeah. goes, he looks a bit fucking odd. Yeah. Is that what this film is? Yeah. 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 Then, yes, I've seen this. I quite liked this I quite film. liked Captain America. The, yeah. I remember it when, when he used to go to Blockbuster as a kid. Um, all the, like, you know, the Hulk, the Frigno Hulk videos and... All that, you know, the Flash movies were all there on the, on the, and I remember getting this one a few times. Yeah, as I recall, I do believe it was the bike that was a bit shit, I think. Well, it's, also, now, now in hindsight, the Shield action is, was just terrible, wasn't it? Compared to what we like, got. You'd never see, like, the Shield kind of bounce back like a boomerang like you do nowadays. I always think that with Chris Evans' Captain America, I think, fucking hell, that would hurt if you miscaught that. <laughs> You're getting so old. I know. Just like I am, I don't understand how Spider-Man, you know, he's got all his plants, but why is it, how does he not wrench his arm out when he shoots his web, wind resistance and things like that? Mm. I just think it's bullshit. In 1990, James, Angelica Houston was scaring the piss out of kids. Yes, she was. And the witches. And she was scaring the piss out of me, not that long. I still think this film holds up. I, yeah. I hate the ad-libbing in it, though, with the kids. So they redo the kids' things. But I'm, I'm, you know, Bruno. I'll always remember Bruno, mate. He's like your best friend. He was quite happy being a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember Bruno's parents not believing it. Like the, the, I remember vividly this film because I remember it scaring the crap out of me. Everything from the scene, you know, everything. The girl being trapped in a painting. Mm. Oh, that was, that was haunting. I remember the book being terrified and watching this. And I thought this film was, was this is up there with, this is up there with a special brand. And we've already mentioned one of the arachnophobia. It doesn't have to be gory to be scary. And I still think, as a child's book, this was the closest thing we ever got to like our version of The Exorcist. It was like terrifying. It was fucking terrifying. <laughs> and I, don't, I think but, I'm scared, more scared of this than The Exorcist. But, 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 but this is weird because people, because when you're a kid and you have a horror, people just call it like children fantasy. But as a kid, this film made me scared when I was a child more than any horror film aimed at adults has ever done. So I still think as a horror film, this is a this is a classic. This I remember going to bed terrified that I was gonna wake up as a mouse. And would my nan look after me? <laughs> <laughs> um I I've got nothing but great things to say about this film. Even even the over-the-top uh, Rowan Atkinson, it was great to see Rowan Atkinson. It was great to see Mr. Bean on the big screen. Mm. What a great film this was. It really was, really and it was. Holds up brilliantly. Again, been remade, remade into horseshit, apparently. Yeah, I started it the other day and yeah. I got about 15 minutes in. Not for you. No. I do, but I remember that vivid because I can't remember the old, can't remember the granny. I believe she played the witch in um, Prince of Thieves it's on the Alan Rickman thing. But um, but I remember her voice when she's telling the story <coughs> about the children, the, the children trapped in the in the painting. And then remember I, that's the bit that horrified me the most about the books. Mm. And then when I actually saw it on the big screen, and like her dad looks at her every day, and she's doing something different. Mate, my heart, my heart's breaking right now just thinking about it. Yeah, the witch is one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Jim Henson as well, wasn't it? All the uh, puppetry, yeah, that. and the makeup in it's fantastic. Um, Clint Eastwood made an appearance in uh, 1990 with Charlie Sheen in The Rookie. I, I have seen this film. I don't remember this film. It's that classic, you know. I know it's been done a hundred times. This wasn't, you know, it's like 
rookie gets paired with veteran cop, you know, which is Clint Eastwood's, it, you know, it does feel like Hollywood's way to get kind of Charlie Sheen into more kind of dramas and stuff. Um, you know, it's like a, you know, Charlie Sheen's character, um, Clint Eastwood's character's never been able to have a partner long enough, you know, because they all die, they all, you know, this and the other. It's all right. But yeah. in, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're like, oh, well, let's watch Clint Eastwood as a cop, you're going to watch Dirty Harry, aren't you? You're going to watch one yeah. of them. That's movies. exactly what you're going to watch, yeah. All right. Uh, some honorable mentions that we, we're not going to get around to because the next ones I think are some big fucking hitters. Yeah. So just just very quickly, Lord of the Flies was remade that year. Um, True of the Mad that we talked about, Wild at Heart, the Nick Cage movie. Yeah. Or fan memories of that. Days of Thunder. Uh, I, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Just, it's the exact same story as Tom Cruise. I said, for, <laughs> it's Tom Cruise. Fucking Top Gun. Just change it for speeding. <laughs> Race cars. It's the same fucking film. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Cry Baby with Johnny Depp again. Yeah. Internal Affairs. Yeah. Richard Gears uh, of a 1990 pop-up. That does sound very familiar. I can't remember that one. What about early Coen Brothers, Miller's Crossing? Mate, you know how I feel about Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing is an all-time great, and I don't have the time to talk about why I love Miller's Crossing. There's an episode that we're doing in the future, hopefully about the Coen Brothers. I can talk for hours about this underrated film. I think it might be one of my most underrated films of all time. Because it, was it wasn't a commercial success. It failed at the box office. Yeah. But it's like like anything now, with, with the Coen Brothers filmography now, people go back and discover the earlier work. Yeah. Gabriel Burns is great in it, but the take-home is Albert Finney. Albert Finney's brilliant in it. So Albert was, um, Finney's John, voice. John Turturro as well yeah. is brilliant in it as well. This, that film, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Miller's Crossing, get, I think it's on Netflix. Go it watch it. Is, it's no excuse. It is on Netflix, yeah. What yeah. an amazing film is. You watch it. So we've got some big ones then. Probably five or six big, big films. For, Huge for ones. This year. Um, no particular order. Not trying to sway you or anything like that. Yeah. Goodfellas. Well, you know how I feel about it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's quite possible. It's the film I don't get. I know. It's your it's your version of um, Edward Scissorhands. You don't get no, it. No, it's my version of Forrest Gump. You know how like, you feel like about oh, Forrest I Gump? Hate Forrest I don't Gump. get the I don't get the Goodfellas thing. I get the Goodfellas thing. I don't know whether it's just because I prefer like all the other mafia movies mm-hmm. and gangster movies. <laughs> and then by the time I got around to Goodfellas, maybe if I watched Goodfellas first, it would have been like, I would have held the candle, you know, the bar, you know, whatever it is to that film. But... I'd oh. seen loads of other gangster movies before I saw Goodfellas. You, and didn't, didn't, see, you didn't see Gotti, did you? No, I didn't. No, no I, I hear that that's really up there, though. I hear, hear John Travolta's like, still in character. Like, he's, he's gone so method. It's been a while since I mentioned Gotti. There was a time in this podcast where I would not stop mentioning Gotti. It's an, it's an experience, mate. It's an experience I'll never forget. I, I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I tell you, actually, I'll tell you what it probably is. I think I saw God, Goodfellas as I was starting to like get out of the hyper-violent yeah. mafia kind of stuff like when you see Casino you yeah. know in those kind of movies by the time I got around to Goodfellas and like the opening scene like stabbing a dude in the trunk I'm like I don't know I love Goodfellas I do like it and there are still scenes that it doesn't matter how many times I watch it they are uncomfortable the whole why am I funny scene never yeah. gets easier to watch like Joe Pesci I imagine he's a fucking nightmare like if he want, if he did that to you in real life yeah, and was just ribbing you but fucking being awesome. I, would, I, would, I, would, I think I would literally shit myself yeah I think I would cry <laughs> I think I'd probably cry at Joe Pesci who's like half my size no I think that's I, even now when it's his advanced age mate so would I yeah because <laughs> I imagine Joe Pesci would stab a man do you hear about him when he, he said to Stephen Graham about playing um, what's his name in uh, The Irishman no and he and he pulled him to one side and he's he's like um after the first, like the first day of shooting, he was like, don't fuck this up because Pesci knew the guy that he was playing. Oh, right. And then after like the third day or something, it was like, 
he goes, oh yeah, you've, you've, you've got a kid, you know, that kind of thing. And then, uh, but then went, what's with your shitty accent? And he's like, well, that's where I'm from. Cause he's scouts. He's like, why can't you talk like you do in the movie? <laughs> and that's why Stephen Graham now speaks like, yeah. like an American Italian. Um, yeah, good fellas. It, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie, but I, you know, but I just don't get the hype. I don't. Yeah, do you do. know which one always gets underrated? Yeah. Bronx Tale. Okay. That's a fucking brilliant movie. And I'm certain that's De Niro directed that one. I think so. Because I think he dedicated it to his dad at the end, didn't he? Possibly. That's an awesome movie. That bit where De Niro squares up to the to the gangster and um, because the gangster gives his kids some money and he goes back, he's like, look, we can't take it. And his dad and his little kids are like, wow, you know, and he's like, look, he's got the suit, he's got the money. He's like, I want to be like him. And De Niro's like, you don't want to be like him. Like, you don't fucking work for his living. People fear him. You want to be the working man. And he gives him that speech on the side of the road. That's fucking awesome. That's such a good scene. And then the gangster's like, remember who you're talking to? He's like, no, 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 I've got respect for you, but you don't come near my son because he's my boy. And there's this like, oh, go for it, De Niro. Go on, because you're normally the other guy. You're normally the gangster. And now all of a sudden you're the working man sticking it to the gangster. Bronx Tale is awesome. If you haven't seen it for a while, watch Bronx Tale. Okay. Done. I really like Goodfellas. Home Alone. Everyone loves Home Alone, even I like Home Alone. It's, just, it's, it's about a psychotic kid that tortures two men. It's fucking, yeah. I, I, I watched it. I watched a YouTube video the other week and it was like, um, like people that are like, you know, like are, are trained in torture and stuff like that. And they basically say like how, like, how evil Kevin McAllister really is. Mate, you fucking next level. And also, I, was he like, I don't know how old is he, he like eight in this or something. Eight, yeah, he's, he was 10 when he filmed it, eight in the film. So as an eight-year-old, I, I didn't know how to like electrocute people or fucking like burn their hands. It's like, so this kid's fucked up. Kevin, should... Kevin McCallister was not normal. I reckon they left him there on purpose and then the mum felt bad afterwards. That's how the storyline should have gone. They should do like a, like a, I know like Marvel at the moment are getting like really into their what if, <laughs> but you should do like a what if Kevin McCallister grew up to be Frank Castle and the Punisher. <laughs> And he's just fucking taking names with Lego, yeah. <laughs> like paintings. I'd watch that. I would. I'd fucking, I think that'd be brilliant. Um, it's a great film. Everyone loves it. It's, it's fantastic. You can't say anything bad about it. No, and it comes on every Christmas. Every it's Christmas great. I'm going to watch this movie. It's one of those films that I even don't mind. The sequel to me isn't better than the first one, but the sequel's all right. And I'm like the rest of the internet. I don't know what that dad did for a living to have a 10 it's bed house in Chicago and take the whole clean. family to France. He's a drug dealer, isn't he? It's got to be. I think someone did say years later that he's, they did say what his job was, like music executive or... Who gives a shit? Sorry. No, it's a drug dealer. dealer. <laughs> um, Ivan Reitman's Kindergarten Cop. Well, I love Kindergarten Cop. I think he's brilliant. I've watched it not that long ago for this podcast and I never forget how fucking bloody he is. He's <laughs> at the end, didn't he? he? At the end, it's at the beginning. At the beginning, he, um, at the beginning, he pretends to be like a crack addict. He goes into a uh, building complex and shoots the place up. And then, an hour later, he's teaching kids with a ferret, so it's fine. I love Kindergarten Cop. I think he's brilliant. Who is your daddy? And what does he do? <laughs> That's one of my favourite lines, mate. <laughs> Who is your daddy? What does he do? Uh, Reddy Harlem gave us the perfection that is Die Hard 2. Mm. And I only call it perfection because it's part of the Die Hard yeah. <laughs> like franchise. And so they are all brilliant, James. Except for... Except for the fifth one. Except for the fifth one. I, this one to me is very weak. Oh, I love Die 2. Die 2 is Die 2 is good, but in comparison to the first one, in comparison to the third one. Let's go through the reasons why it's great. William Sadler's naked at the beginning. You see a little bit of balls. Yep. John McClane, <laughs> same shit, different day. Not yep. even in his jurisdiction. We've got themes of the first movie. Yep. Calls our Powell. Don't need you in this one, but just in case the audience forgets who you are, cheeky little cameo. When you get a feeling insurance companies start losing money, 
Instantly quotable. Should have returned for a better line though. There's there's the fact that he's a heartthrob and that lady's like, oh yeah, do you, do you want to go for a drink? And he's like, just the facts lady, points at his ring. Because John McClane's a ladies man. You've got all the like iconic scenes like, you know, his car getting towed and the fact that no one wants him there and it's an airport and his wife's above. It's got the same shitty script as, as Dad as well. Like, uh, we like the air stewardess. And she's like, we're just like British Rail, dear. We may be late, but we get you there. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. But it's brilliant. The whole runway scene. The whole, like... Yeah, go out there one at a time. The whole shootout. Don't shoot him for any reason. The whole shootout scene in the part of the airport that no one goes to just so they can have a shootout. Um, do you know what? John McClane. John McClane is so lucky because when he wants to prove a point that the guns have got blanks, he doesn't show them the weapon. He shoots at them with a the weapon. Now, had that person just kept like one life round in there, would have shot someone. Action them. movie. I would absolutely love it if he'd accidentally picked the wrong one. Let's and not talk sh- about logic in these movies. Uh, I didn't say I didn't mind it, so it was the weakest of the three. In your order, it definitely goes one, three. I don't know. One, three, four, two, five. Oh, wait, see, I've got four better than Quite like four. Yeah, that's why I got one, three, four, two, five. Yeah, but you got exactly. So, mm. But it's a dialed movie, James. So I'll defend it. I'll defend it even if I'm wrong. I'll still fucking defend it. <laughs> okay. So like, you know when people argue, they don't know why they're arguing, yep. or they're clearly lost and they just keep going. Yep. That's me and Diaz. <laughs> um, Oscar-winning Dick Tracy. What did it win an Oscar for? Production. <laughs> it's not Warren Beatty's acting, is it? No. Or fucking. Do you know what I love about this? Is who's who's one of the biggest actors of all time? Oh, it's. Uh, well, this was not a good year for that man. <laughs> No? No. It wasn't it? No. Oh, okay. I'll be quiet then. Well, how would you know? Well, 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 what else did he do this year? Godfather 3. <laughs> <laughs> this is somehow the better gangster movie. <laughs> uh, how would you know? <laughs> Actually, thinking uh, about it, yeah. I, you know, as a kid, I quite liked this. I, did, I mean, I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. No. I, I remember the scene with the kid eating lots of food. I remember thinking, yeah, that's cool. But I didn't understand what was going on. Really loved the scene as well, because this makes no sense. Don't they spill something through their bug and it comes out of their thing? But Dustin Hoffman, he's a great actor. Let's play a character who does nothing but mumble. <laughs> Mumbles. Mumbles. I, no, it wasn't good, was it? I do remember liking the art style, though. I would seen that film in ages because that, that's one of those films that as a kid you love it because it's, like, it's kind of actually. I don't understand what the piss was going on in that film. No, neither do I. I do not understand the storyline. I haven't rewatched it. Why would I? I know everyone's wearing prosthetics. I know, <laughs> no, but you know, with a great year. It's Madonna, isn't it? Madonna, isn't it? Yeah. Because she's, she plays the kind of love interest and there's a killer going around with no face, wearing a mask with no holes or anything and it's Madonna. Spoilers, That's, mate. Mate, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I mean, that that gave way for, you know, Madonna's acting credits for other gems like Dying of a Day. Yep. Right, but she's in it for too long. She's only on screen for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's our whistle stop tour of the 1990. Jesus. So I'm going to go back to that there. original question, James. I'm going to try and predict. Now, which movie would you like to rewatch for the first time out of all of those? Mm. I think you spoke most passionately and there was a twinkle in your eye around Goodfellas. So that would have been it. But then I also know you're a slag for things like Tremors. Mm. So I think, I think... I might go for Hunt for Red October. <gasps> Fucking well played, yes! mate. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to get that because you were like, you're talking about all these other things. I was like, well, obviously not. That's bullshit. Oh, mate, well played. So which would you erase from history? 
I mean, the contenders are them last two, is it? It's Dick Tracy or Godfather Three. I, do you know what? I think I think if you're going to pick one, it's got to be Godfather Three because it had it's had it had two like nearly perfect films before it, um, and and uh, you can't say Dick Tracy because let's be honest, no one even fucking remembers Dick no. Tracy. If you went if you went, if you went text me earlier with the film Dick Tracy, I wouldn't even remember this film existed. Now, when it comes to remaking, <gasps> we could already cut a lot of these down because we can take out the ones that obviously you're not familiar with. Yeah. We take out things like, um, you know, obviously Rocky Five because you know you wouldn't. Total Recall's already been done. Yeah. Edward Scissorhands we can take out. So the one, and, and you wouldn't touch a movie like Goodfellas or Die or Two, no. or Kindergarten Cop. No. So I think the movie that you would remake, and I don't think you'd do Ghost or you'd take the pottery scene out. Mm. I think you'd remake Arachnophobia. I would make remake. <sighs> why wouldn't you? That's why I don't. I don't understand how how we have not. Mm. I genuinely don't. Eight legged freaks, mate. Right, so what happened was you made them CGI and you bigged them up. There's nothing scary about a big thing that can knock your door in. There's something scary about you know, you're picking up a cup and it's there. Mm. As evidenced by the fact that you and I have completely forgotten that there's a giant spider in this room and at some point when we're packing away, I'm going to find it. I'm going to fucking scream. <laughs> so again, that the terror of spiders isn't that they're huge or that fucking David Arquette's there. <laughs> the, the terrifying thing is that you don't know where they are. Arachnophobia, really. I genuinely don't understand how arachnophobia hasn't been remade like every six years. Spiders still. Spiders is the one number. It's surely the number one fear of, of humans mm. across the world. Has got to be spiders. I don't understand why people aren't. Made. We make them about fucking witches. We make them about Slenderman, but we don't make about them like the everyday thing that's in your house. Spiders, mate. Spiders. Arachnophobia remake. I'd love to remake Arachnophobia, and I, I'd bring back John Goodman. You could. I was just about to say you could still bring him back, couldn't you? Is yeah. like. He, he I've, I've like, done this before. Yeah, he could be like the aging one. He could be the Julian Sands. Like after that, he went to university, started studying it because Julian Sands is dead. Mate, he remakes himself. Call it Arachnophobia Two: The Reckoning. <laughs> one of the spiders survived. Has been working out at the gym <laughs> with fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mate. So let's um, let's just go through a couple of things just before we end today's show. Have you seen the Matrix trailer? I have seen the Matrix trailer. I do. You know what? I it was a lot different than what I thought it was going to be. So. Um, I thought, how are they going to do this? I like the fact that they're implied that the Matrix know that Neo is the one, hence why they keep giving him the blue pill. Mm. I like Trinity. I don't know how I feel that them bringing those two back, Jada Picknett's coming back, but they've not brought Lawrence Fishburne back. He hasn't come back. So they've recast. They've uh, recast him. I, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to recast, that's a great choice because he's on fire. He is. I mean, he's had a right fucking career, hasn't he? Since about, I was going to say, I only, I was quite late to the party. I think it was at Aquaman, I swear, man. But after that, he's uh, he's hit after hit. But the only thing that doesn't sit well with me is, is I would really like to see Lawrence Fishman back because I I think mm. Lawrence Fishman is great. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mantin. I I saw a video earlier. It was like an interview with Lawrence Fishman, and it was like why he's not coming back. And I didn't click it. I didn't I didn't watch yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I, I watched it and I, I, there were alarm bells and it's not just because Neil Patrick Harris is in it. There was alarm bells because like, it felt a bit like the Bill and Ted, you know, like, which I enjoyed. And I thought Bill and Ted was, it served a purpose, you know, because of what was going on in the world and we needed some refreshment. But there was something about this that it was like, haven't they just started filming it? And it's out in December. Like it feels no. quick. It does feel quick, but you know what? I think if they go the right way about it, I think this would actually be pretty good because like I say, it's not, it seems to be like a story of retelling. Like the Matrix is trying to keep them down because of what they are. I quite like the action isn't, the action looks a bit kind of real, which which is better. I do think it's been John Wicked though. And what I mean by that is, is they've gone, they've, they're kind of going to use a lot of the artistic license that maybe mm. uh, Keanu's got with Wicked. I'd be like, oh, we'll bring some of that to the Matrix. We'll have it like mind bending effects. 
But do you know what? I the trailer was actually a lot. I thought it was going to be a bin fire. So I'm actually quite excited because the trailer did a good job of highlighting what I think will be good about it. Now I've got a nice segue into next week's episode. Yeah, the Matrix. <laughs> no, 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 not like this next bit. Um, I started watching a new TV series today, mm, so yes. I thought for the first time ever we could do next week top five TV series. Ooh. But in between that, I wanted you to guess what TV series I've started by the infamous game Twenty Questions. Okay. Um, is it American? Yes. Right, so it's American. Is it? Is it? Is there more than one series? Yes. Okay. Was it? Oh no, you can only answer yes or no. Right. Um, is the main character appeared in a Marvel film? Yes. Was that? Was he one of the Fantastic Four? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is, it a, is it a shield? It's the shield. <laughs> Five questions. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I start watching the shield. And uh, I'm only two episodes in. Oh, okay, fair enough. Wait, it's way too early to decide. But that. I do like it already. Yeah, I love, I love Dutch because he's such a knob. He's <laughs> so realistic. He's like he's good detective, but at the same time, what an ass. Oh, that oh. guy, Dutch boy. Yeah, 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 boy. yeah. Sorry, yeah. The names are still going yeah, to struggle with. But yeah, I start watching it because a few people have said to watch it and like how good it is. Like, in fact, actually. Three people that I quite respect their opinion on like uh, TV's film and stuff like that. I've all said it's top tier. Is so it's more than me. Yeah, yeah, you. Oh, yeah, but we went on about it, and um, and a, a friend from what James mentioned it, and um, so yeah. So I, I keep thinking like I'm gonna have to give it a go at some point, and this weekend be like on my own with Primo. She's asleep at seven, so I'm like, oh, it's the binge in the evenings. And um, yeah, I must have been the first two episodes. So I was like, fucking, this is quite good. And yeah. do you know what? It takes me back to like. And this is pre-Breaking Bad, but it takes me back to like Breaking Bad. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this. I really like it when someone gets invested in a TV show. And do you know what the best thing about The Shield is? It's it's an American thing. Oh, sorry. I've just interrupted your point. Sorry. No, you no, talking no, about no, I've done, I've done that. Oh, um, um, it's one of my favorite things is, so TV shows, and this is an American thing, because the greatest example is The Office. You know, The Office in this country was three seasons, but to be honest, after two, it was done. The only people wanting the third one, bring it back. You know, the Office was brilliant. Two series. The American one, it went on for like nine series and it peaked around five, six, and then started going downhill. American TV shows do that. I love 24, but it fucking peaked. It made those last few series were dead in the water. The Shield is the only TV series I know which actually got better as it went on. Mm. And, it, 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 and I was really good. And the characters they bring in it, like Glenn Close, uh, Forrest Whitaker, it's so good. It, what a great TV series. I'm jealous. If I yeah. could rewatch a TV show for the first time, it would actually still be 24 or True Detective. <laughs> In terms of a pilot, like the first episode was really good. Yeah. It was really good. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all. I knew the general concept of it, but watching it, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I can get behind this then. Yeah. Um, dark, funny. It's all over the place. It does remind me of Breaking Bad. There's a scene in the first episode where they're having a barbecue in, uh, around the back of the house with a swimming pool. And I was like, that's Walter White's house, isn't it? It like looks like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm going to crack on. There's only like 12 episodes a season, yeah. so I should be able to get that done pretty quick. So next week, I think we do top five of TV shows. Mm, our favourites. Yeah. the best, our favourites. Our favourites. And again, if something like 24 comes in, I'll talk about standout seasons as opposed to the, yeah. the latter ones. But, but yeah, I think that might work. Yeah, sounds good. I love yeah. the small screen. Do the small screen next week then, on top of any other films that we see. So, so there's only one thing left to do, mate. And that's, have you come up with a grading system? 
Oh, yeah, shit. Right, so as we don't have a grading system, the 90s, it was a SNES time, wasn't it? Mm. I'm going to give it a mushroom from Mario Kart. There you go. Just the one. We can have three. There, there you go. go. Three mushrooms. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I would have said that. Yeah, there you go. Um, any of their movies make the vault? Um, oh, there's... Phobia. I haven't... I have, Can we... I haven't seen them in the last seven days. Oh, we can't do them. I am going to go watch uh, Arachnophobia tonight, though. I don't know why. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Take the spider home with you if you want. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm terrified he's actually inside me. <laughs> there's a sound clip. <laughs> I'll see you later. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>